0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: with Eastern Airlines and producer of the show. And if you're listening in on the show's website, which is blogtalkradio.com forward slash Captain Eddie. That's C-A-P-T-E-D-D-I-E, Captain Eddie. Named it after Captain Eddie Rickenbacker. So, and you'd like to be on uh, to call in and talk with our guests, our host, to so just add your memories and. Why not call us at, copy this down, 213-816-1611. The producer will see your number showing up on the board, the producer's board, and ask if you would like to join the host and share those memories with us. Now, we are a satellite-based radio station, uh, and we're heard around the world as a satellite station. And as a matter of fact, we have listeners in over 50 countries now that have identified them. Uh, We have identified them in our uh, uh, statistics. Let's repeat the number again if you'd like to add your comments to our listening audience. It's area code 213-816-1611. Now, why not call us now? As usual, we have a host from around the US that join us in these airline radio talk shows. And today we in addition to our regular host, we are happy to have a very special guest, Jackson McQuig, of the Atlanta History Center's uh, Vice President of Properties. I'm gonna open your microphone now. I hope I've got the right one and I'll say, Hello, Jackson, how are you doing today?
2: Hi, Captain Neal. I'm glad to be on the broadcast today and I really appreciate you inviting me.
1: Well, thank you so much. We appreciate it and all that you'll bring to our show today because we're very interested as to what's happening at the world's biggest airport. And thank you. Uh, uh, we, we'd like to also identify those folks that uh, that are with us regularly on our show. I'm going to open their microphones up as I see them here. Uh, Captain Jim Holder. Uh, it's with us today. Hello, Captain Jim from your back porch there in Conyers, Georgia. How you doing?
3: I'm doing partly cloudy. Glad to be here
1: and glad to see you <laughs> here, everyone. It's
3: going to be a great show.
1: Okay. Uh, partly cloudy. Okay, I've heard that before. Yeah, I've partly also, cloudy. I like mm-hmm. CAVU, C-A-V-U, Jim. you remember what that acronym <laughs> stands for? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Like that, too. I do, too. Clear and Visibility Unlimited. Very good, kavu, okay, and from the Panhandle of Florida, my favorite place a while back because I used to live over in the Pensacola area, is Margaret Bars. She's actually in Santa Rosa County over in Pace, Florida. Hello, Margaret, how you doing today?
4: i'm I'm doing great. Hello all. Um, <clears throat> please excuse me. I'm uh, suffering from an allergic reaction uh, a few days ago, so my voice sounds really raspy. Uh, but anyway, it is a nice sunny day here in the outskirts of Pensacola with a high of 79 degrees, and we have a nice, cool gulf
1: breeze. And one thing hey living everybody. over... In, oh, oh Luann. Oh, I'm sorry to cut you out there, Luann. I forgot all Captain about you. Captain
4: I can't <laughs> believe it. I missed the show one time last Saturday, and now you just completely forgot about me. Broke anyway, y'all. anyway... <laughs> You just wrote me off. Well, hello, everybody. I'm just going to confirm Margaret's weather report, and I'm going to say I'm heading to the beach after the show. See you later. (laughs) Okay. Very good.
1: Always good to hear from Lou Ann. Thanks, Margaret. Okay. Uh, Now, I've got way up there north of Canada, about 60 miles, is... uh, Brenda Chabot, hello Brenda, and Brenda is also, a little bit about her, she's also the editor of the Silver Liners organization, and I'm hoping, hoping she'll say a few words about the Silverliners as we go into the show. Hello, Brenda.
4: Hello, Neil. Hello, everybody. <laughs> yes, it's um, beautiful up here. It's crisp and cavoo. Cavoo, okay,
1: with beautiful <laughs> colors in the leaves.
4: Yeah, it's a lovely day. It's Fall is beautiful here. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Oh, it's uh, nice
4: to hear everybody. <laughs>
1: well, before we hear from uh, from our special guest, Jackson, I like that name. First name is Jackson. Wow. Pretty neat there, Jackson McQuig. But before well, I let you tell us a little bit about you, your, what you're doing, and a little bit about uh, Jackson McQuig, uh, I want to dedicate this song to all those folks in and around Atlanta, Georgia, and you may not have heard it recently, but it's uh, uh, the singer is Allison Krauss, and she's singing about, oh, Atlanta.
0: Can I do? I'm falling in love.
5: I'm just an old house. Roaming around a oh little. I've got a fear.
0: and heaven.
1: Georgia <laughs> I think that's what she said uh, but at any rate Jackson so good to have you with us and can you tell us a little bit about Jackson McQuig uh, you've been on our show sure. before, and uh, let's go Jackson let's tell talk talk to us a little bit
2: well I've got to say it's a thrill to be with y'all today I just really enjoy this show and um, I listened to the podcast version uh, when uh, stuck in traffic so instead of getting mad I learned a little bit about history of airlines and particularly Eastern one of my favorites um, I, uh, I am vice president of properties with the Atlanta History Center which means most of the time I get to deal with capital projects uh, like in the cyclorama across town which is a big uh, Civil War painting that uh, debuted at the Atlanta History Center in 2019 Uh, Folks, if you're in the Atlanta area, you might notice us having the Swan House and the Tully Smith Farm and uh, some of the other offerings like the Atlanta History Museum up there on West Paces Ferry Road, and of course, we also have the uh, Midtown Campus that includes the Margaret Mitchell House. But as for me, I just am a a lifelong lover of uh, planes and trains, Um, and uh, thanks to my folks, who were definite uh, travel people uh, and my father was a uh, uh, did a was a private pilot for fun and I've just grown up around it and I just absolutely uh, uh, was it was thrilled to get a call about doing a uh, uh, an exhibit on the history of Harkville Jackson Atlanta International Airport so uh, that's what I'm here to talk about today so at any rate um you know, uh, right now, if you've been to the airport and uh, have taken a look at some of the exhibits that are in the tunnels between the concourses, you'll find uh, one on with sculptures from Zimbabwe. There's another art installation there uh, and another one of the uh, tunnels, but uh, I want to point your attention to one that was installed in 2005 between A and B, which is um, a, a, it's called a walk through Atlanta history. And um, that was not produced by the Atlanta History Center, but we helped and helped with the storyline for it. And a designer of that exhibit um, was a gentleman by the name of Gary Lee Super. And uh, Gary owns Gary Lee Super Design Associates, and he's one of the greatest uh, uh, exhibit designers that I've known over the years and a heck of a nice guy. And uh, I got a phone call from him that said, hey, would the History Center be interested in partnering with us uh, on a uh, Department of Aviation funded exhibit on the history of the airport? Uh, I was driving back from lunch at the time, as I recall, and I, I, I think I ran a red light uh, answering yes. I was so focused and excited about, you know, the possibility of uh, of working on the project, and I said yes, yes, yes. And so now I'm joined by uh, um, some other uh, folks from the History Center and, and with, uh, uh, who are working on the project, Bo Spalding and Tracy Barnett, who is a Ph.D. candidate. Uh, at Georgia and uh, a lot of other um, people may enter the, the fray and, and we're just thrilled as could be about it. Uh, the, the History Center itself has been collecting since 1926 uh, and uh, when we were founded and we have a great collection of photographs of, uh, uh, of the airport uh, already and there are others out there that are, that are just going to be so helpful to this uh, exhibition. But Very I decided good. today, yeah, I decided today, Neil, to come to the uh, come to the well and talk to the experts, and uh, I want to hear what everybody thinks needs to be in an exhibit about the Atlanta Airport. I have a storyline, and we're going to stress test it today.
1: Okay, now I want to get uh, the. Uh, image in my mind as to where this display is located. You say in the tunnel. You mean the tunnel where the trains go from concourse to concourse, right?
2: Exactly right. Uh, Between D and E, and uh, that's where it's going to go in. In September, it opens in September, we think, of next year, uh, which would be a little bit of an early opening, but that's the plan.
1: Now, uh, is this display on the walls, or is it a actually walk-in uh, square footage area that uh, one might just kind of pass the time and view what you put in there and the history?
2: Well, hopefully both. We, we, uh, we definitely have the wall space. Um, obviously, uh, we, would, uh, we would love to have some cases in the center. Um, there are a lot of people moving through that space, obviously, um, including on the moving sidewalks so we have to be really clever about how we uh, captivate them and, and, and get their attention. Uh, if you look at the, the exhibit that was done by uh, Gary Super called The Walk Through Atlanta History, also Gary Moss was actually a lead on that exhibit as well, um, you'll notice the use of big graphics, uh, video, uh, and uh, compelling uh, large uh, text. Um, I'd imagine we would um, Deploy some of the same uh methods uh in this exhibit as well,
1: okay well, go ahead and uh tell us the story about this and um uh, and uh, you you say you you've got uh, uh the the information we need to know as to how we can add to your with suggestions of course, it's up to I guess your committee to determine exactly what goes in this display and uh so go ahead and, and tell us more about it
2: sure well for now uh we're our working uh history is breaking down the exhibit into four sections um, basically uh, the early section uh would deal with Atlanta's, Atlanta airport's uh, origins as a as a racetrack uh the atlanta speedway uh and it was a relatively unsuccessful racetrack which uh, made it a fortuitous place to uh begin to begin, uh, uh, to begin uh, an airport for Atlanta um, and that section will which we tentatively really call horsepower and biplanes goes from 1909 to 1930 uh, the next section propellers and pistons from 1930 to 1959 and why those dates well uh, 1909 to 1930 uh, you wind up uh, if you, you think about the first uh, airline service to Atlanta that was 1926 some of the key airmail contracts were landed uh, in, and took effect in 1930. 30 to 59 is a is a big, big um, section, uh, but 59 was actually the introduction of pure jet service to Atlanta. And then um, jet port of the south takes us from 59 to 71, and 71 is when uh, Eastern uh, brought the first international flights uh, to the uh, Hartsfield-Jackson Atlanta International Airport. And then from 71 on, we we have a section entitled Gateway to the World. All of these are, of course, tentative and subject to review. But I I wanted to get everyone's thoughts on that. Um, But but also just on the airport uh, generally, I think that um, we know that these days, Um, Delta's got a a significant presence out there they're also very invested in their history Um, and um, that's that's very important we're going to talk about their history but a lot of other airlines um, big and small many no longer with us are are, you know part of the history of the uh, of the airfield there Um, and I told my colleagues at the Atlanta history center There's an infinite number of topics you can cover. um, You name it, if it happens in the world, uh, it's happened at the airport. So really just interested to hear uh, what folks think. By the way, I've identified four key figures, in my opinion, who are um, associated with each of those areas. Um, And they are Hartsfield, William Hartsfield, of course, a key figure um, from the very beginning or nearly the beginning of the Atlanta airport. Uh, second one is someone you might have heard of named Captain Eddie Rickenbacker. Um, as, as aviation expands and uh, at the airport, as uh, Atlanta develops into a hub, uh, Eastern is the one that is uh, responsible for uh, much of that, uh, followed by Delta, uh, and then. Uh, we go from 59 forward to 71 uh, CE woman uh, and Delta becomes a significant figure then of course uh, a figure and uh, significant in the construction of the new uh, airport the midfield terminal at 80 is mayor Maynard Jackson and we're going to uh, we've identified him as a, a key figure in the uh, in the last section of the of the exhibit he was also a board member of the Atlanta History Center um, a number of years ago uh, so at any rate, just a lot of a lot of topics that can be covered um, underneath that, and uh, y'all tell me what what might not be in books that deserves to be covered in a history of the airport.
1: Well, before I, I uh, ask uh, another uh, guest that has appeared uh, real quickly, because uh, Jim Holder got him in touch with us, and he's on the air with us right now. But you didn't mention one. Person at the very beginning, Asa Candler. Uh, that, sure. Uh, how did it, did uh, it, it, he's back in the twenties, of course. Asa Candler. Uh, do you have a little history about him and how the airport became known as Candler Field? Right, indeed.
2: So Asa Candler, former mayor of Atlanta, um, obviously the uh, the originator of Coca Cola. Um, owned that raceway that I described uh, early on and uh, eventually since by lease later by purchase um, the uh, raceway property became part of the airport Um, it's it's a small part of the airport these days but it's the it's the it was the first part of it so
1: now now uh, Jackson isn't the airport uh, physically the geography there of the airport I don't know how many acres international airport is you probably have that but isn't it part of hateville uh is it within the city limits of hateville or college uh, college park over there
2: it, it depends on what you're talking about i mean there are parts of the airport that are actually in clayton county um as well oh, okay. as, as fulton yeah so um more, re- more recently there's been a big uh, uh, Atlanta uh, brought the Delta headquarters into uh, the Atlanta corporate limits, and there are other aspects that are in the uh, Hapeville corporate limits. So okay. it's, the answer is kind of complicated.
1: Okay. Well, we, we like to think of uh, a captain with Eastern Airlines. His name was Perry Hudson. And Perry uh, was the mayor of Hapeville, and also he was the Eastern Airlines chief pilot, uh, one of the most popular ones that we had. And uh, as I mentioned, the mayor of Hapeville and also became a Georgia state senator. And I had the pleasure of flying the entire, not the entire, but most of the Georgia assembly because Perry got, uh, he was a senator with the state of Georgia at the time up to the inauguration of Jimmy Carter as the president. And uh, that was a charter flight with all of them. And that was really a lot of fun uh, taking that flight on the L-1011 that we were flying at the time.
2: How neat! But, uh, that is, that yeah, is
1: I don't know if you've ever heard of Perry Hudson, but but uh, now uh, one of the things that I'd like to to talk to to ask you uh, well, there's several things I'd like to ask you, but I want to open it up to our folks that uh, are uh, have all of their microphones are open, so don't uh, everyone step on each other at the same time, but I would like to hear from. Uh, Mr. Dale Hartsfield, because of the name Hartsfield. Uh, Dale, are you listening right now? Do I have your microphone on?
6: Uh, I am listening. uh, One half second. I'm in an area where it's a little bit loud, but I'm going to step into an area where it's quieter. Sorry about that. Uh, moving around here you know the
1: marvels of technology right
6: (laughs) yes yes indeed sometimes
1: Uh, you hear me sometimes you don't (laughs) (laughs) but now with that name Hartsfield of course automatically when I heard Jim Holder tell me that there's a fellow that, that called and wanted to know about the show and his name was Hartsfield, and I said, "Well, you know, that was the name of the airport." <clears throat> and uh, and how 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 uh, did you come about? Were you a member of the Hartsfield family way back here?
6: Well, I'm uh, distantly. How about that?
1: Uh, okay, just uh,
6: technically, I am a distant cousin. I am two generations removed from Mayor Hartsfield. Um, If Mayor Hartsfield were alive, he'd be well over 100 at this point. But um, uh, I am a part of the family. It got a little bit of blood in me, I guess. And uh, uh, the airport in Atlanta has been a part of my life, my entire life almost. My father worked for Delta Airlines. Sorry, Eastern guys. Uh, (laughs) From uh, the time I was about five years old uh, up through into my 30s. but, um, yeah, it's always been a part of my life. Uh, the airport was named Hartsfield originally uh, when I was 13 years old, which was kind of nice because I was going to high school at Briarwood High School at East Point, about five miles from the airport. So I used to tell the young girls that my daddy owned the airport. <laughs>
0: Did,
2: yeah, that that was
6: kind of did that work? Did that work?
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, did it work? Did it work?
6: <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Lots of dates from that later on. Uh, it, was, it was just fun. Uh, and, and like I said, just really been a part of the airport uh, my whole life. Uh, in <laughs> 2003, when Maynard Jackson died, uh, I went to a public forum at Atlanta City Hall, and um, at the time, if if you'll remember, um, when Maynard Jackson first died, uh, they said something about just taking Hartsfield's name off the airport and making Jackson Atlanta International. And uh, friends and people have told me if I had not gone to that public forum, that today it probably would be Jackson International. Um, but I went to that forum and and told them that. Uh, That was a mistake because, really, Hartsfield is considered to be the father of aviation in Atlanta. There is just uh, tons of information on that. I ended up doing hundreds and hundreds of hours of research and then finally sat down and wrote a book. Uh, The book came out in 2014, and I have now sold about 3,500 copies. Uh, It is available on Amazon, but you can also get it directly from me. Um, I don't mind giving out my phone number because it's everywhere. anywhere. I have a website, heartsfilledspeakers.com, and if someone wanted my phone number and wanted to contact me, that's fine. It's six seven eight seven seven three forty forty seven. But uh, it's it's just been a lot of fun uh, in in Atlanta. Growing up, that's a pretty iconic name in Atlanta. <laughs> To the way.
1: now now I want to go back to uh Jackson Jackson exactly what type of uh, information are you uh hoping to get from those listeners or uh if I or Jim Holder or Margaret or Brenda or any of us uh here on on the show today can make any suggestions uh what exactly are you looking for you looking for historical information? Are you looking for things that happened at the airport? Uh, tell me exactly what you know. You're 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 researching here
2: for. Sure, sure. So well, we have a, an extensive uh, outline already put together of the of the things you can find in books. Uh, things like uh, books like A Dream Takes Flight, um, which is Betsy Braden and Paul uh, Hagen's early book on the airport, early '80s book on the airport. Um, And we know some of the the big highlights. But, you know, just topic-wise, what are are some of the unexpected things that you all experienced uh, in your careers at the Evelyn airport just on the basis of, you know, um, that that airline passengers might not actually uh, expect? For instance, one big number that that I keep coming back to is that there are 63,000 jobs at that airport. Well, how wow. do we break that down in a way that's very meaningful? Um, you know, when you're an airport passenger or an airline passenger, it doesn't matter who you're flying, the people that you interact with are just the tip of the iceberg on on the number of people that actually you know, it takes to, to make a flight get off the ground. And yeah. there are folks that uh, don't deal with passengers at all, right? Um, everyone from those working in air freight to mechanics, uh, you know, to the folks in the tower. So, very interested in in hearing from y'all on uh, things that we might not think about, and things that a, a airline passenger might not realize goes into um, light. And ditto for the early days of the uh, of the 40s. Well, I mean, we know about the Baby Ruth bombers in 1924, when a when a group of uh, planes took off on an advertising stunt for the Baby Ruth candy bar, uh, flew over downtown Atlanta, and uh, threw uh, candy bars out at unsuspecting people below. Um, we're definitely including that story, but more stories like that give the airport a lot more depth, and I think also a lot more. Um, make it a lot more interesting. Okay.
1: Well, you know, I've got two stories that i mentioned to you that uh, I I thought were very fascinating. One is that uh, uh, Eddie Rickenbacker, the the, uh, president of Eastern, during my... Well, he... He, when I was hired, he was the chairman of the board at that time, getting a lot of background noise. I don't know where it's coming from, but at any rate, uh, if you can mute your your phone. We can eliminate some of that background noise. But uh, at any rate, Captain Eddie Rickenbacker uh, in a DC-3 didn't quite make the airport on landing. The weather was down, and Captain Rickenbacker was a passenger on that flight. He was going to make a speech, I believe. I don't know whether it was in Atlanta, whether he was connecting or the airplane stopped there in Atlanta. But the story was, of course, that it crashed short of the airport, nearly killing uh, uh, the captain, uh, Rickenbacker, and uh, uh, killed some folks in the airplane as well. And uh, I don't know if that story is worth uh, or, or if it could make it into your display. I don't know how it would be be presented and the one I told you about earlier <laughs> was the first uh, commercial accident at Atlanta airport of course back then it was known as uh as Candler Field I think it happened at Candler Field but it was a commercial flight and it was an eastern flight and the captain was Frank Jourdain. and Frank wrote in his book that uh it, it was a It was an inaugural flight, and they had nothing but celebrities and photographers and writers from the New York Times and so forth uh, covering that flight, the initial lake, down to Atlanta. And, of course, uh, the story was that uh, Frank had a uh, landing gear problem, the airplane, and it was one of the old Curtis airplanes. I think it was a Condor and or either the uh the kingbird one of the two i can't remember which of the two airplanes but uh, the airplane was full i think it seated the maximum of 19 people and uh he did a wonderful job in in saving everyone and i guess they just repaired the landing gear but he had problems with the landing gear and he did a ground loop and and everybody got off the airplane, but I think it was the first commercial accident at the airport. You might want to research that out, and if there's any way I can help you, Jackson, I'll uh, see what story that we ran in the retired Eastern Pilots Association magazine that Frank uh, wanted us to uh, carry, and uh, which we did.
2: Interesting, interesting. Um, you know, Neil, you also mentioned that um, early pilot training took place before simulators yep. Uh, yep. in the skies over Atlanta. I've heard y'all talk about uh, pilot training and and refresher training in Miami, but talk to me about uh, Atlanta.
1: Oh yes, I think both Jim. Holder well, I can and talk about that experience. If you want to. Yeah,
3: <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Go ahead and tell us about it. I can talk all day about it. Go ahead, Jim. You tell him about it. <laughs>
3: All right. When I first came to Atlanta, I was young and junior. And on the 727, I was qualified as a first officer and a second officer. But it, uh, they did check rides in the airplanes. It better than going to Miami. It was cheaper, I guess. And I'll tell you, there's been many a time they'd call me and say, come out here at midnight. You've got to fly a second officer on this 727 while they give a check ride, to the captains and first officers. And I just did that, and man, I got tired of doing that. I wanted to go somewhere, you know, and lay over or something. There I was, flying around Atlanta with a simulator. I mean, in lieu of the And I'd always go eat at the at the Waffle House after I did over there in the West Side there, and go home, go to bed, and usually the next night they'd call me again. <laughs> I got another well, know you know, story. Well, the- where would those? Uh, I mean, where around
2: Atlanta would you fly? I mean, I mean, was there just anywhere, or was it just uh, well, well, oh, more? Yeah, yeah.
3: we go out, we go out maybe thirty, forty miles and do stuff, you know, some some down the down engine or maybe even shut down the engines and you know just fly around. There's nobody back in those days at two or three o'clock around. We had to sky to ourselves and yeah. uh, come back. And luckily, I got some seniority and I didn't have to do that more than about six months. So. But uh, yeah. one other little thing I'd like to point out, it probably doesn't apply to anything anybody's talking about, about those days, and the Atlanta Airport, they, the Air Host Inn, right there at the entrance to the airport on the north yeah. side. I don't know if you remember it, Neil, but they allowed all airline employees and their children to come swim anywhere they want, anytime they want to. Buddy, we yeah. fill that pool up oh. with kids. <laughs>
1: Virginia Avenue was uh, was mm-hmm. a lot of activity for especially the employees at the Atlanta the old Atlanta Airport and uh, mm-hmm. we had uh, the cafeteria over there I forgot the name of the cafeteria uh, uh, it would come to me after the show probably but the Hilton the right there at the entrance yeah and uh, the, I think it was uh, the 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 pancake place over there Virginia Avenue, the Village uh, Village Inn or something like that. Oh, it was Mm -hmm. just a a whirl for the employees, of course. And and Chick Fil A started right down the street in 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 Hapeville, I believe. Yeah, sure
3: did. Chick Fil A, sure did. Mm -hmm. And
1: I think I remember eating there too, right across the railroad tracks.
3: I I certainly remember eating there, and I've eaten there recently.
1: Okay, it's still open.
3: <laughs> well, I got a milkshake there about a year ago. Went at a drive-through. Okay, everything's drive-through now, you know.
1: <clears throat> yeah, uh, those are just a few of the things that I have. Uh, Dale, you may uh, have some information that you might want to recommend Jackson uh, to uh, for Jackson to consider especially putting your books up there if i don't think they'll have a uh a sales cash sales there will they jackson yeah.
2: no but i bought one so uh it's a start right <laughs>
6: thank you jackson i appreciate that uh um you know i would i would love to sit down and talk with you sometime uh maybe afterward uh we can get together sometime we'll do it uh we'll do uh, because again i mean when I guess, I mean, like I said earlier, the airport's always been a part of my life, but but it really became huge in 2003 when uh, Mayor Jackson passed away, and I started talking about uh, naming it just Jackson International, and, um, uh, and then I did so much research on that, I mean, I don't even have any idea how many research hours I have in it, but just hundreds and hundreds of hours, and, and um, uh, writing a book, especially about something as monumental as the Atlanta airport, is is a process, I'll tell you that. Um, uh, you mentioned earlier, A Dream Takes Flight by Betsy Braden, and, and um, it was her son-in-law, maybe? I can't remember his name. Pa- uh, Paul but Hagen. But I, I did have a chance. Paul Hagen, that's right. I had a chance to go right. down and talk with Betsy Braden. And when I was doing doing my book, and and um, I, I mentioned a dream takes flight several times throughout my book, I did use that as a research tool. And and she and her husband, uh, who was an airport uh, public relations person, were so helpful in the writing my book. But uh, and, and you've mentioned a lot of things that that people don't know about or they don't know much about. Obviously, the racetrack. Uh, before Canwler Field, the Canwler connection, uh, Hartsfield was only a city alderman back in the day, uh, but he was given a job by then by the then mayor uh, uh, Walt, and his last name's not coming to me. Uh, it's in my book, but uh, um, to go help find some land for an airport. Now there were several people looking for that land, but. Uh, Mayor Hartsfield is generally considered to be the one um, who was the founder for a lot of the things, and and he was so instrumental in the beginning of the airport, he is considered to be the father of the Atlanta airport. Uh, But uh, a lot of people may argue that, but uh, certainly not me. Uh, (laughs) the, The history of the Atlanta airport is rich. Uh, lots of stuff. Also heard you mentioned earlier about the Margaret Mitchell house, uh, Margaret Mitchell and Gone with the Wind and tied into uh, Mayor Hartsfield and the airport, and um, you know Robert Woodruff, uh, Coca-Cola fame, after the the Woodruffs bought the uh, airport along with several other folks uh, from the Canler family. Uh, Robert Woodruff and William B. Hartsfield were childhood. And literally, lifelong plan. Uh, Robert Woodruff ended up being the chairman of Coca-Cola for about, I don't know, 20, 25 years, something like that. And uh, a lot of that time, Hartsfield was the mayor. Hartsfield was mm-hmm. the mayor of Atlanta six terms, Atlanta's longest-serving mayor And uh Uh, you know, I may be a little prejudicial, but I think his name should be on the airport. I have nothing against the Jackson family, but personally do not believe that Mayor Jackson's name belongs on the airport. I'm sure I could get some argument from that as well. But uh, I could go on forever, but uh, this is y'all's show, not mine.
1: Well, I want to tell another story here, Jackson, that You uh, may or may not have heard, but uh, a lot of folks on the radio show have heard me uh, talk about it because one of my favorite pilots and and, uh, bosses, I guess you'd call him, because Perry Hudson, the captain, uh, Perry Hudson was the chief pilot of of, uh, Eastern Airlines when, when I first came to Atlanta. And uh, Perry knew that uh, my late partner, John Corneye, and I had a flight school at uh, Fulton County, Charlie Brown Airport. And he knew that we had a Stearman, an open cockpit, biplane Stearman. And uh, he he asked me one day uh, there in the hall, he said, Neil, he said, you and John, uh, don't you own a a Stearman open cockpit? And I said, yeah, Uh, you've heard probably John talk about it. And he said, I wonder if you guys would do me a favor. And I said, sure, anything, Perry. And uh, he asked uh, John and I to fly the airplane from Fulton County Airport to Atlanta, uh, the old terminal, land, park out there until it was time to take off again and fly over a, a bandstand or grandstand in Haightville, where they were dedicating the Doug Davis road, highway, uh, in uh, uh, in honor of Doug Davis. Now, a lot of folks don't know who Doug Davis was, but I think you do, Jackson. I do. I think you, you've mentioned him. So uh, that's uh, one of the things that we were happy to do because in the process of flying over from Charlie Brown, of course, we had a little portable radio in there so we could talk to the Atlanta Tower. They, uh, they put us on the downwind leg, and then they turned us in because they knew that we were on a schedule. We had to be exactly over this point where Perry was delivering a speech in honor of Captain Doug Davis. And uh, we were to drop uh, an envelope out of the uh, biplane, uh, meaning that the mail plane, because Doug Davis flew the mail planes for Eastern back in the years, and uh, we were to drop it at exactly a certain time. So in getting us to the airport, uh, they rooted us for our downwind leg, and then they turned us in short because here we are, a little airplane flying at about 80, 80 or 90 miles an hour, and um, and uh, there was a Delta DC-8 following us, and so the tower told the, the the DC-8, Delta DC-8, to slow it down as much as they they could slow the airplane down. And of S turns on file were approved, and the Delta captain says, "What are we flo- What are we following?" And the tower says, "You're fly- following a steerman at about 80 miles an hour." <laughs> so, so, the good thing about that story was that everything was like clockwork, and we sent Delta around because they could not slow it down to our speed and uh, so they had to go around but at any rate we call Dell the brand X and that was my little contribution to the brand X and uh, yeah. but we also did contribute contribute rather that envelope exactly when Perry was delivering I think I hear an old air mail plane flying over the treetops and here we come and we dropped that envelope. Wow right there at the exact same time as the dedication was. So I, I often heard from Perry even at the last convention he attended of uh, the Retired Eastern Pilots Association. He was in a wheelchair then, you remember Jim Older. And yes, I, do. I came up alongside of, of, of uh, Perry and he pulled me down to, to the floor there and he whispered in my ear, he says, I'll never forget what you and John did for us. And that was, uh, I mean, that was uh, that was quite a quite a little thing. I like to bring that up every once in a while, but um, yeah. that actually happened. So I don't think that goes into your display, but these were some of the contributions that uh, all of the airlines really made. Southern Airways, I'm sure you have lots of stuff about Southern because they were a big, uh, and I think Piedmont too. Piedmont, op- Piedmont. operated uh, in in Atlanta quite a bit they did
4: yes may I ask a question of Jackson Um, do you have any display on flight attendant uniforms Mm.
2: you know the the answer to that question is we hope so Um, and uh, it all depends on the amount of space that we can actually use Um, so we'll have to be smart about designing the cases which I'm sure Uh Gary uh, super is up to Um, and uh, make sure that we uh, have enough uh, room in the center aisle for everyone to pass, which is a big thing with the fire marshal. But, yeah, um, Yeah. it's uh, absolutely. I think that um, uh, perhaps uh, uh, uniforms of not just tenants but some of the other uh, personnel, like everything from ramp agents to captains, would be a a neat thing if we can find the the room. It's Um,
4: true, but, you know, airports are – Well, as we all know, they were sort of magical places for many people,
1: and especially
4: in that time. And, of course, the flight attendant thing was magical. It was part of it. And Mm -hmm. people want to see that. They do. Like, I think any airport display that was showing history with Delta and Eastern that didn't have flight attendant uniforms. I'm not so sure, and I'm not meaning to undermine the rest of the people who work there at all. I don't mean that. But truthfully, if you're looking at it from an outsider, they want to see the flight attendant uniforms. And, and Brenda you have a,
1: Yeah? Brenda, mm-hmm. if you put it out on silver liners and we put it out on radio, I think Jackson could open up a goodwill of uniforms.
4: <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and if not, there is a fellow in Holland who has a massive collection of flight attendant ah. uniforms and he may be willing for that now is this a permanent display? It is.
2: And but okay. let me throw the he, he may have doubles, throw the, you
4: know what I mean.
2: Sure, sure. And I'll but I'll throw the uh asterisk next to in the exhibition's world uh permanent display is probably fifteen years. Um okay. you know because exhibits age out, you know, <laughs>
4: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I get that, you know. But um yeah. there's um, uh this fellow he's got a his website is a silly name, but it's um Uniform it's Geek. Website. Yeah, it is, U- UniformGeek.com U- dot yeah. Yeah, 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 he's quite the seller
2: UniformFreak.com, dot com, I think.
4: Oh okay, um, it could be, yes, uniform freak, that's right. That's right, yeah, but I really great. think, um, you know, who am I? Um, well, I was a flight attendant, but <laughs> but I really do believe that people do want to see that. And it's it's yeah. not just for the profession. I mean, the flight yeah. attendants were the image of the airline, mm-hmm. aside from well, what the I plane think looked like.
2: I can, I can tell you this. Uh, one of our key Atlanta History Center board members is married to a former Eastern flight attendant. And I Mm -hmm. expect that if there are not, uh, you know, flight attendants represented adequately in the exhibit, my job will be in peril. So uh, (laughs) I think you can be pretty much assured that we're going to cover that as as we possibly can.
1: Maybe we can can get Jim Holder to dedicate his captain's eastern captain's uniform.
3: <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I, I, I can't get in it in there. Oh,
4: sorry, just all <laughs> off the signal, guys. Mic open? I
1: apologize.
7: Is my mic open?
1: Yes, it Hello? yes you it know, is. Dale. Yes, it is.
7: Hey, um, my name is Scott Ennis. I'm a first time caller,
1: and yes, uh, Scott. I want to say thank you to Captain
7: Holland and everyone that puts this together and to keep the Eastern memories and uh, the Eastern name alive. I really appreciate that. And I know everybody else does too. Um first off I uh I opened up and I was closing down, I guess, uh, the old Parts Spartsfield in seventy seven. I got to work uh when I was in res. I got to volunteer one uh, Christmas uh and making announcements that where Elton 11's left from and that terrified me, you know, being a new employee back then. You know where you know the, they had the mobile um, uh, um, movers to take you to the Elton Eleven. Oh know yeah, what they called them back yeah. then. But uh, yeah. that was my start, and I and I helped open. uh volunteered um, opening up at Midfield, Atlanta Midfield, and doing tours before they did the the grand mm-hmm. opening. And wow. that was an experience. But um, I do have a, a, a. I work for American Airlines now. I've been a flight attendant with them for 25 years. And we have a lot of Eastern, uh, Southern, Piedmont, Republic, a lot of ex-other airline people that are wonderful to look for. But I I uh, specifically work with this uh, uh, girl or lady. Her name is Andrea Madsen. I've actually merged her into the call. And her dad was a a loyal Eastern Airlines uh, FT executive traveler. And she used to fly Eastern um, all the time as a little girl, and she every time we get to the airport, you know American operates out of T, and since they um, merged in with U.S. Airways, they they also have operations at D, which used to be just all the miscellaneous airlines years ago, and so you know T used to be the international concourse only when when the airport opened. And then it's just turned into a domestic. And luckily, American got in their claws in before Delta did and got uh, T9-315 315, uh, 315 early on and, and, and scooped it away from Delta before they could put their claws into it. And so we're very proud of our presence in Atlanta, and hopefully we'll be merging D into a T with the expansion, the blowout of a T to even more gates out of there. But Andrea is listening on the call, and she continually asks me about the underground tunnel between the high Bs and high C gates. And there was a thing that Eastern kept under wraps with the development of, of you know, even from Delta, and they made it very easy for people to connect from B to C without having to go up in, to the spine, main spine, and use the train. And yeah. I hope that you can put that into uh, the history books, or the displays, because that was such a big development and a big coup for Eastern Airlines.
1: Yeah, it was. It was.
7: I remember so that. There, I, I, there's a… Yeah, and then also they had uh, beautiful artwork from the local elementary schools that lined up the walls as you used the moving sidewalks. So it was a it was a great thing, and I just hope that that's included in any of the developments that uh, you're using it for history uh, in, in your display. And I don't know if anybody can add to that, but I did want to um, you know, um, present that as a major milestone for Eastern, you know, uh, uh, you know, to develop that, and, you know, and the competition couldn't to even touch it. You,
1: you know, uh, thanks for bringing that up, Scott, because I remember that quite well, B and C. Uh, the flight operations was uh, in Concourse C, I think, right at Gate 15, somewhere around there. I used to travel that staircase between the concourse and downstairs to Flight operations, but uh, we had uh, a while back we had a flight attendant with Pan American that was the head of the pan American Museum Historical Organization uh, up in New York, and she was telling me how their display was arranged in their museum, I guess it would be uh, of the history of pan american and I can I can see it in one room, but I can almost visualize it on the walls uh, of Mm -hmm. of, of the tunnel there. But they have the entire history as a timeline from the very beginning when it was Varney Airlines, Varney something, airlines all the way around to One Trip and, and Pan American and all the way around the walls. Uh, where you start on one wall, come all the way around, and you come to the conclusion of Pan American when it went out of business. And it was a whole history timeline. So I don't know whether this might be uh, a good format for what your display is going to be, unless you've got it all designed out. I'm sure you probably have, Jackson.
7: if If I can, can I interject something else? We have layovers at the new TWA renovated TWA hotel in Kennedy, and it's been open for a couple of years. And if any of y'all ever have the opportunity, including Jackson or any of the people that are involved with developing this new uh, idea in Atlanta, they have beautiful displays of the entire history of the airport, including TWA, all the uniforms that um, was just brought up a few minutes ago. And if y'all ever get a chance to, to go over there, it's a, you know, it's uh, a wonderful experience. So I don't know if Thank that would you. give you ideas on that. But also, um, the thing is, we don't know. And going back to the secret tunnel, because Andrea, who's Andrea, say hello. Andrea, or oh, maybe she's off now. But in any case, uh, we don't know if that tunnel has totally closed, or they're using it for storage. That would be kind of something we would still be interested in, but it, as far as concourse level, we don't know exactly where the it, where it opened up, where the escalators went down to the tunnel, because the whole design of the concourses are now changed, and in fact, we were, I was just commuting to Charlotte the other day, and went to see, and Andrew was asking me everything about Eastern, and you know, Eastern used to go, I don't know how high C went, maybe C-30 30 or 34 or 32, but now the gates are up to C-50-something, and they they busted out the wall, and, and Delta's made it a very beautiful end of the concourse area where they've got more gates and more space.
0: Mm-hmm. But one mm-hmm. thing
7: that I have for Jackson is um, it would be interesting through uh, a graphic or a overlay of pages on a screen to be able to see, like, from the Candler area and all around. And if you can hit a button and see what the next 10 years brought. So if there's a way to overlay what it originally was and, like, have a glimpse of five or 10 years, including hotels or and restaurants, and there's some that are still here, like barbecue kitchens, which is you didn't mention, but it's on the other side of uh, 85, uh, which a lot of Eastern people went to. But if you could overlay the the then to up until now, so people can see the 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 development and the additions of actually mm-hmm. how things the courses, the ticket counters, like you know Very how nice. things have changed. You know, I just think that would be mm-hmm. a good idea to see. I div- yeah. You know, it's through a visual. People are visual, they don't necessarily read as much as they should. But if you could, like, do a flip screen to see through the whole area of the airport complex and see what it is up to today, I think it would be a nice
1: feature. I'm one of those people, Scott. I like pictures.
2: <laughs> well, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you all, uh, all of these are wonderful ideas. They really, really are. And um, I appreciate them a lot. Um, and I'm taking all of them to heart and we'll share them with the designer I, I'll say that I know what happened to the eastern shortcut at least according to the Atlanta newspaper When I read a few years ago that the uh, the shortcut tunnel is uh, now got a bunch of TSA screening equipment in it So it's still in use for some purpose. I remember taking that um, shortcut as a uh, As a uh, eastern passenger of course um, and uh, so it's still there and um uh, you know, Neil, your question about the um the chronology like uh, you know, one thing about a long straight run of building is it lends itself to a chronology and a timeline. Uh so we uh that's a, a walk through Atlanta history, which is the other exhibit that we worked on at the airport uh is laid out that way. Uh, so we'll do the same on this one. So
0: okay. um
2: but the the key is to make it compelling. Um Uh, You know, there are three different kinds of, in the museum business, we say there are three different kinds of uh, visitors to exhibits, the streakers, the strollers, and the students. And, of course, the streakers (laughs) just go right on through, and the students want to read every last label. Uh, I think we'll uh, we'll have an exhibit that basically lined up for uh, all three, so... Oh, good. No one well, that a lot of them will be on their way to someplace else and might not notice the exhibit until uh, they're on time for a plane uh, to, uh, for a change, right?
1: Yeah. Well, that sounds really interesting. It really does. Uh, Jim, uh, Margaret, or anyone else uh, have some suggestions, ideas for Jackson? And uh, maybe you can keep us updated as to the project, Jackson, and when uh, the uh, expected date of opening would be, uh, and you also know that uh, the pilots, the Eastern pilots, all of the pilots that made known to Jim Holder and his uh, group that uh, that put the plaques of every Eastern pilot that uh, we could find on the walls.
3: Yes, in Bronze After Memorial. You- yeah. That's a landmark at the airport. 6,600 sure. names. It took us about eight years to make that list. A lot of a lot of work yeah, on I'm that. I'm
1: proud, proud to say my name's on the wall.
3: Mine <laughs> too. Mine's on the wall too.
1: And I made it before I died, right, Jim?
3: <laughs> yeah, we did. We did. <laughs> Are you winding
1: up? When you wind up, I want to tell a
3: true story. About well, Perry Hudson, if that's appropriate. Okay,
1: let's, let's have a true story.
3: All right, I was the first officer on this trip, and Perry Hudson, the mayor, was the captain. And we flew a, a, ski, a ski trip charter to Colorado Springs, and then we picked up a group that had been flying, been skiing, and they were mostly Delta people, and they were flying back to Atlanta. And Perry flew out there, so I'm flying back, and we climb out, and just by the time we level off, Perry picks up to Mike to uh, make an announcement to him. And this is sort of dated. Some of y'all might not really appreciate it. He said, I know y'all been out here where there's no TV and you didn't know really what's going on in the world, but i got to tell you there's been some events take place. And he said one of them, the Supreme Court has ruled that Lester Maddox can run for governor again. You know, remember, he wanted to run again, and they told him he yeah. couldn't. And then he said, uh, Eastern has got, now Delta has ordered 2727s. And you can start hearing people hiring back there. And then he said, I, and Eastern has gotten a route to Hawaii And the flight attendant came up and said, man, that's a pandemonium back there. What are you saying? And he he said, well, I just told him what I thought. And he said, well, uh, maybe I put it there. I think it must have gone through Garble. about They they did say the Supreme Court did say Lester Maddox could run for governor again, but it wouldn't count. He said that Eastern (laughs) did not get a route to Hawaii. It was Hawaii, not Hawaii. You know, which is a small town in Georgia. And Delta, all they said that we wish we had 2727. So that was fair. He could make a trip, a wonderful trip. But I mean to tell you, it was pandemonium back there for about 10 minutes.
1: Well, you know, I, I've got a- I, along with uh, some other, Bill Malone and Gib uh we helped sponsor Eddie Rickenbacker mm-hmm. into the Georgia uh, Georgia Hall of Fame, Aviation Hall of Fame. And it was a black uh, black tie event, and uh, the, the SR-71 hanging from the ceiling at the uh, Warner Robins Museum there. And uh, I've often wanted to recommend and see if we could get Perry Hudson into that Hall of Fame.
3: Sure, he ought to uh, be. He ought
1: to yeah, be man. He that was a, a wonderful... Yeah,
3: yeah.
1: So you've got some ideas, Jackson, to ponder...
2: I do, I do, and they're they're wonderful. And I just wanted to say thank you to everybody for um, sharing part of your Saturday, and, and and these great ideas with me. It's really been an invigorating call. So
1: and thank you. I'd like to there, thank Dale Dale for being with us, Hartsfield, and also yeah, Scott. Sure. Scott, did you say your last name is Ennis.
7: Ennis, yes. Scott. And I have Go. a copy of my mom's Scott Ennis, like Dennis without the D. And, um, you know, I've got a copy of my mom's first airplane ride when we moved to Atlanta in 67 and it was Eastern airlines. And, uh, you know, I don't know if those are things like that, that you need, or I've got some old (laughs) uniform pieces, but I guess my point is, is there, do we go through you, um, Neil, to communicate to Jackson, or how is it if we have things that we can offer and they can uh, accept or decline I, or whatever?
1: I think Jackson's going to give us a contact line right now, aren't you, Jackson, and how uh, we can get in touch with yes. you?
2: I'll give you two Please. things. My telephone number at the Atlanta History Center is 404-814-4064. My email address, uh, is, my email address is j. Go ahead.
1: To say that phone number again slowly.
2: Okay, it is four zero four eight one four four zero six four. Okay. I have a I have an email address too, which is uh, J McQuig, and that is m c q u i g g golf golf there on the end at atlantahistorycenter.com. dot com.
1: Okay, uh, and I, I'll put this uh, out on the Facebook page as well, Jackson, that they can get in touch with you.
2: Right, and, and in one, time, exhibit, and, and one small part of you know this exhibit, the the storyline history, there are a lot of other fine folks working on this exhibit as well. So,
1: but, yeah, um, be in touch. Very good. You were going to say something, was it Scott or Dale?
6: Yeah, it was Dale I just wanted to say extremely interesting Show this afternoon, gentlemen uh, And the ladies that Joined us as well uh, Lots of good ideas, Jackson I'd love to get together with you And uh, I got your contact information I'll be back to gate with you soon And uh, I want to thank James Holder for telling me about this Neil, thank you for Doing this show, uh, I want to try to get On it again, it's, uh, it's it's Been a lot of fun, I'm a Hartsfield
1: Airport geek, of course. Well, mm-hmm. we, we need your talent, so come back uh, often, would you please? Absolutely,
6: uh,
0: that would be, yes, great. That'd
1: be great. Dale. All and right, Scott, you. you too.
6: Thank you very much.
2: And, okay. And thank well, you, thank you, everybody.
1: Thanks, uh, Jackson. Thank you, thank and we, we're going to we're going to play a song that uh, Merle Haggard wrote especially for this show. And uh, the late Merle Haggard wrote this this song in an airplane, and I like to think it was an Eastern airplane, looking down at another Eastern airplane. And our sign-off music goes something like this. It's called Silver Wings.
5: out of sight Don't leave me, I cry Don't take that airplane ride But you locked me out of your mind And left me standing here behind taking you away, leaving me lonely, silver wings, slowly fading out of sight.
1: Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for listening to us.
4: Have a great day, everyone.